Inside the Ring is sponsored by Egg Weights, Liquid IV, and Goalie Gummies. Hey everyone, Rebecca Ruber here. Now before I start playing the interview I had with Kid Galahad at the end of January, I did want to add a little update to some Kid Galahad news. Uh, so as of February 4th, 2021, MTK Global claims promotional rights for vacant IBF featherweight title fight between Kid Galahad and Jazza Dickens. MTK submitted $2,500 as the loan bidder. They will have two weeks to have returned signed contracts to IBF from both fighters. And the story is still developing. So as I get more updates, I will be updating you all on my Instagram at Inside the Ring Official. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Inside the Ring. And today on the show, we have a professional boxer who has held the European, British and Commonwealth Super Bantamweight titles between the years 2013 and 2015. His ring name was chosen by trainer Brendan Ingle after a character played by Elvis Presley in the 1962 film of the same name. I had to add that in because I thought that was a pretty cool fact. So please welcome Kid Galahad on the show. Barry, thank you so much for joining us. That's fine, no worries. Yeah, I was just telling you before, I'm so glad we were finally able to figure out a time that worked well for both of us since I'm on the East Coast of the States and and you're in the UK. How's everything going over there? It's good. We're in full lockdown. Um, There's not really much to do. Everything's closed and uh, just getting on with training. So is so is the lockdown for you? I know it's probably crazy constantly talking about the pandemic, but I'm just curious over over yeah. the UK, is it like you guys cannot leave except to go to essential work or how does it work? Because it's different here in the States. We are in full lockdown, so basically you can't leave unless if you can work from home, you work from home. I'm a professional athlete, so I can go to the gym. Um nothing's actually open so like no coffee shops restaurants nothing's open so you only can go to the supermarket and everything closes early so it's just like being in prison (laughs) well is there any projected time that they're saying over by you that things are going to start getting lifted again or is it kind of like a day-by-day basis i think he's going to review all in mid-february but I think he said last time, he did He did one a couple of weeks ago and he just says basically there's not going to be much change anyway. Uh, I don't think they'll open the arenas back up until probably next year sometime, maybe longer. Wow, wow. Um, and this actually is a, it's a good lead into, I was going to ask, for your training, has it affected kind of your workout routine that you usually do getting ready for fights or just your normal kind of conditioning or how, how have you adapted to the times currently? No, no. Do you know what? It hasn't really affected my life in form. The only thing is just like for fancy to go to a restaurant or go to the movies, you can't do them kind of things. But other than that, everything is pretty you know, I only live across the road from the gym. I've got an house next to the gym. So I just train twice a day and then I just go home. So nothing, it's not really affected me. I'm not really seeing my friends and certain family members. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a definitely interesting, different time for sure. And uh, I wanted to ask you too, for your, you, you said you work out twice a day. What does your day-to-day schedule look like? Is it you work out in the morning, you have a little break, and then go back in the afternoon? I kind of kind of walk us through what your everyday as a professional boxer life looks like. Um, 
if I'm running, I run. I like to. I don't run every day. I run every other day. So if I'm running, I'll get up at half past, half past four, five, do my run, get back into you know back into uh, have my breakfast, get back into bed, and then eleven o'clock I go back into the gym, do a little training session, and then towards the afternoon I do a little session. If I'm if I'm you know sparring, then I like to spar in the morning about nine o'clock, then do you know another session in the afternoon, say weights or SNC. And then I just literally do that twice a day. Sorry, I do that Monday, Tuesday, rest on a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, do that, rest on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, do that, rest on a Tuesday. So I just do two days training, rest, two days training, rest. So very, very demanding work. Um, I always love to start my interviews typically by asking, when did you pick up your first pair of gloves and what made you get into the sport of boxing? Basically, what happened with me was, um, I I was always I was a trouble I was always in and out of trouble since a very young age. You know, I was always um, always got kicked out. I got kicked out of numerous schools and always fighting, causing trouble. And you know, one day I went to the local mosque and I met a guy called Prince Nassim Hamed, mm-hmm. and I said, "Naz, I want to be a champion like you." He goes, "If you want to be a champion like me, go and find this guy called Brendan Ingle." He's a trainer and he's based in Winkerbank. So I went home and said to mum, I need to find this trainer. So we drove down, looked for him, said, Brendan, I want to be a champion. Obviously, I went to the gym seeing him. He said to me, oh, listen, come back here tomorrow morning at six o'clock. So the next day, I got up, went to the gym at six o'clock. You know, he didn't turn up till half past six, quarter to seven. I think he was just testing me. And then he turned up and then he's just showing me footwork, just basic stuff. He goes, just do this footwork. I'm going to be back in half an hour. I'm just going to go to Meadowall. And um, he just told me to continue doing it. So he went and then, you know, an hour went by, two hours went by and he still didn't come. So I just kept on doing it, kept on doing it. And then about 10 o'clock he walked in and he put, popped his head through the door and he says to me, he looked and then he goes to me, he showed me something else to do. Then he disappeared again. And it um, was just basically teaching me the most important thing about boxing, which is your fundamentals, and that's your footwork. Well, I think that's really important that you say that. Um, I'm a boxing instructor to a lot of green fighters, and one thing that I tell them is yeah. more than just throwing hands. I, I always say that footwork is the foundation to everything that you do when it comes to boxing. Just of like if you don't have a foundation to your house, everything comes crumbling down. So you can have a good throw. But if you don't have that footwork, what else do you really have? Basically, because it's so boring, people don't like to do it, but they don't understand that the footwork is the most important thing because you could, it's everything really. And it's like, it can set up a shot, can get you out of trouble. It can, it can do everything, you know, it sets up punches, you know, it's so, you know, um, important that, you know, if you don't have good footwork, you are going to get found out. All the greats had great footwork. Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, there with Bernard Hopkins, you know, uh, Roy Jones, Marvin Agler, they all had, you know, phenomenal footwork. Now, I want to go back to what you were saying about when you met Prince Nassim and he directed you to yeah. Rectangle. What have, did you know yeah. Prince Nassim beforehand or did you just go up to him and you were like, look, like, I just need some direction. How did that conversation come to be? Um, 
do you know what? He was just in the local mosque, and of course I knew who Nassim Hamed was, but I didn't. I only watched a few of his fights because I'm from. I'm originally my mum and dad are from Yemen, so we knew. You know, Nassim Hamed is like you know in the Yemen community, he's probably like the biggest thing to come out of Yemen, and um, you know even in Great Britain, he's he's one of the biggest things to come out. So everyone, no, everybody knows who who he is he's like Maradona of you know boxing mm-hmm. definitely and um if there is something that during your years of training with Brendan Engel rest in peace um if there's anything piece of advice that he gave you is there some one piece of evidence that stuck with you that you can pass on to inside the ring listeners something that for those amateur boxers or professional boxers that may be listening to this what is one thing that he taught you that to this day holds true to your everyday life? Um, basically, the most important thing Brendan installed in me and the best advice he ever gave me is discipline. You know, um, if you haven't got discipline in life, you know, let alone boxing, you're not going to be able to achieve the things you want to achieve. In boxing, it's a very ruthless, ruthless, uh, ruthless sport and you can't afford to make mistakes because you can get killed in that ring. And, you know, Brendan just, you know, he always says to me, make sure you live the life, don't be drinking, don't be smoking, don't be gambling, don't mess around with women, all these other things. And, you know, he always installed, he installed that in me, you know, and I've been in the gym and there's been loads of people who've come and gone. And, you know, the most, a lot of them just didn't have to, there's been a lot of kids who be more naturally talented than me and, you know, who should have, been massive stars but what messed them up was the discipline mm-hmm. and you know I always and that to this day you know that's what's always been my um, main thing and I think that's what makes me uh, you know a good fighter while we're talking about uh, some amateur careers what was your amateur career like uh, before you became a pro boxer can you kind of go through did you start with exhibition fights did you tor- start with tournaments how did you how did it lead you to uh, your, starting your professional career so I I had my first fight within like six months of me fighting six months of boxing and you know I won two national titles but you know I never went on to be on the GB team or you know um I didn't have a decorated, you know, amateur career. We've got a kid in the gym called Willie Hutchinson who's won everything apart from a gold medal, you know. Um, the thing with our gym was a bit different. It's like Brendan never believed in the amateur system. You know, he says, look, he goes, the amateur system and the professional system is two different things. He goes, you can be the most fantastic amateur career boxer. Doesn't mean you're going to be a fantastic professional. And, you know, he installed that, especially in our gym. We don't, our, my gym doesn't train professionals it train it doesn't train amateurs sorry it trains professionals we since uh, since I was 13 14 years old I didn't train like an amateur I used to go in the ring and spot professional fights Junior Witter John Nelson you know uh, Kel Brook um, the name going on and on and you know it it's just it's so different to the amateurs when I turned over to the pros I just it, you know it was like a duck in water for me because I've been doing it all my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, along with that too, how long were you in an amateur career before you decided you were going to turn pro? What was the turning point where you said, 
all right, I've reached this, this level in my career. I think I'm ready to go pro now. What was, what was the transition period behind that? Um, do you know, I turned professional, uh, I started boxing at 12, 12 years old. By the time I was, you know, I think I won a junior, I won a senior. I won a senior title at 17. And then by the time I was 18, I turned professional. You know, Brendan the second, you can turn professional. He turns professional because he's just like, well, at the end of the day, why are you going to, if you can get paid for it, why are you going to, what do you win in the amateurs? Uh, you're going to go on with a, you know, a, a medal. What's a medal? Medals don't pay the bills. That's very true, yeah. And is that, um, I mean, was that also part of maybe why you didn't look to go into the Olympics or was there a chance where you were like, Oh, maybe I will try to go to the, on the Olympic team. Was there any talk of that before going pro? No. Do you know, the thing was in our, in our gym, everyone's be a world champion. We never, I don't think I've met anybody who ever wanted, I never wanted to win a gold medal. I never wanted you know, to have a decorated amateur career. I always wanted to be a professional world champion. I never wanted, you know, I didn't think, oh, you know, um, I once beat a kid in the, in, to win the championships and the kid I beat, they chose him to go to the Europeans and he ended up winning a gold medal. But I just thought like, to me, that never bothered me because I didn't, I didn't care about winning, you know, were uh, a European or a, you know, a Olympic gold medal because that same kid, He's not boxing no more. No one knows who he is. No one knows. We don't even know where he is. Mm. It's just so different. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't bothered about the amateurs. It didn't, it didn't bother me because it's just a different game. You know, yeah, amateurs is more like a, you're playing it, you're tip-tapping. When you get in the pro ranks, you know, someone's coming to, you know, take your life. And it's, it's more of a, you know, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fight in it. It's not, in the amateurs, you just tip-tap and run, tip-tap and run. It's just a completely different, a completely different thing. Definitely. And um, let's see here. I got that. Perfect. Sorry. My audio just kind of went in and out for a second. I'm just fixing that. Okay. Perfect. Sorry. It was just a little wonky. So I want to just change the level real quick. All right. So, uh, you said that as soon as you turned 17, you were like, yeah, I am ready to go pro. Was there ever talks of you going to university or having some other career outside of being a pro boxer or at that age of 12 years old, you're like, no, I see myself in that ring for a very long time. No, the, the thing was before I met Brendan and, and it's, Brendan and you know before I got into boxing from the age of eight nine years old well since I was a baby until you know I started boxing all I ever wanted to be was the biggest baddest gangster I didn't ever want to be a doctor I didn't know I didn't know no one who was a doctor I didn't know I didn't you know I didn't know no one who who went to university I didn't I, you know I didn't know no one at all all I ever wanted to be was a big gangster and then when I met Brendan when I went to the gym I thought this is what I want to be I want to be a boxing world champion. I want to make enough money to financially secure my family. And, you know, that was it. I didn't, you know, and I, I, even education-wise in school, I suffered with dyslexia and um, ADHD. So, you know, I actually left school with no grades, you know. But the thing is, boxing is, it's not a... If you're full, if you're educated and you're fine in your boxing, then you know 
I think you're a bit of a mug because if you can go make, if you've got, you know, 10 A stars or 10 A's, why would you want to get punched around the head when you can go and get a, you know, a job to be a, a doctor or a dentist, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, I, to me, to me, I just feel like boxing, you have to have a certain kind of upbringing and have a certain roughness in you. you I, I, I personally believe, you know, you've got to be, we call it, you know, I don't know what you call it down in America, but we call it road men. You have to have a road man mentality. Okay. Which is a bit like a gangster mentality because you are going and it, 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 you're fighting for your life. Mm-hmm. It is like the streets and it. it's like everyone, you know, when you're the top, everyone else is coming for you. Well, then I have a question for you. Um, so you say that you believe that boxing is for those that, kind of a story and a little rough around the edges. I mean, you're fighting for your life at the end of the day in that ring. We have yeah. a lot of, we have a lot of fighters now coming into the boxing scene, into the boxing community that are internet sensations. Um, maybe they've had some sports backgrounds, but they don't, don't really have a story behind why they got into boxing besides yeah. kind of just wanting to say they'd become a professional boxer. Um, what is your opinion on kind of like the new wave of boxers coming into uh the boxing world right now? Um, there's only a few, there's like Logan Paul and, and them YouTubers, but it's just, I don't, I don't think, oh my God, you know, they're disrespecting boxing. They're only finding exhibition bouts or whatever they're finding four rounders. None of them have actually boxed professional fighters. They've all boxed just another YouTuber. You know, if you put Logan Paul in with a journeyman, a guy who's had five fights, you know, and lost about 50, you, he'd probably get in there and get flattened. But the thing is, that's just how it is, isn't it? You know, Logan Paul's got a good uh, follower in the YouTube world. And he's, it's like they're just playing at it, aren't they? But there's nothing wrong with it. But the thing is, if he does come up, to, if he does come up against someone who can fight or who is hungry, then he's going to get very badly hurt. Well, there is talks of the Logan Paul versus Mayweather uh, exhibition fight. How do you think that's going to go? Um, listen, Mayweather, Mayweather, he's been boxing since he's been able to walk. So I just think Mayweather's going to, you know, Mayweather's going to do what he's going to do, and he's going to go in there and absolutely batter him from pillar to post. I just don't understand it. What I don't understand is, but someone who like Mayweather, who's had, you know, he might be worth forty, fifty million pounds, probably more. I just don't understand, you know, why he would go back in the ring and fight someone. I know, I know Logan Paul's not a threat to him, but he still could get himself seriously hit. You know, that's like me saying to you, or uh, would you have a fight, you know, for someone for $50? Because $50, you know, $3 million is like $50 to, to you. Mm-hmm. You know, $3 million pounds to Floyd. It's like fifty dollars too. It's nothing for him, you know. He makes a lot of. He's made a lot of money, and he's got a lot. Of, he's got a, a, probably a lot of money coming in. Do you have a? So there's a lot of true boxing fans out there that they saw that announcement of the fight and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this is what the boxing community has come to. And there was a lot of mixed reviews about it. Um, there were reviews saying this, like this is what boxing has come to, as in a negative connotation. And there was also 
okay, this is going to help kind of bring a new generation of boxing fans into the mix. And this is actually helpful. Do you, what's your stance on that? Do you think that this is more helpful than anything else in helping get the word out about boxing to the new, to the new generation? Or do you think it's more hurtful than anything else? Well, how can it, you'll have a different audience, but the thing is who doesn't know what boxing is? Boxing is one of the biggest sports in the world. You know, it's like, if you ask anybody, everyone will know what boxing is. So I don't think they can help boxing in that same. I just think they'll bring a different audience of, you know, people to watch it in terms of YouTube, you know, like kids who love YouTube. But I don't think boxing's a, it's a, you know, it's a big, big sport in it. So it's not going to really benefit in that way. It's just going to bring a different audience. That's fair. Yeah, that's very fair to say. So speaking of fights, um, I'm just going to read from my notes here to make sure I got everything correct. Yeah. Um, On June 15th of 2019, you narrowly lost to a split decision to Josh Warrington um, fighting for the IVF featherweight title. Um, But there were a lot of commentators that said that it was a very difficult fight to score. Um, And even from The Observer, Tom Seymour noted that, quote, the fight was perilously close. Kid Galahad has a right to feel like he was robbed of the chance to be IBS undisputed champion, end quote. So it looked like at some point you were about to get that rematch against Warrington, but then as of recently, he vacated his IBF belt. And now he's trying to campaign to fight other champions. When you heard that news, what was your reaction, like your immediate reaction to that? Um, it's just one of them things, isn't it? What, what can you do? You know, um, at the end of the day, I believe, I know I won that fight and I know he knows he, he knows that he lost that fight. So he might have had the decision that day, but I know he knows he lost. So it doesn't matter, you know. At the end of the day, in this game, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. So we'll have to wait and see for the next five or six years' time where we all end up and what we've all done. So, you know, at the end of the day, if he wants to vacate the title and go elsewhere, they're not going to let no crowds in. So it's going to be very difficult for him to get any big fights because he doesn't want to take no risk. He doesn't want to leave Leeds, his home city. He don't want to go to America, you know. But now, because he hasn't got a title and because everyone's been really slating him on social media he might take that risk but you know people are like yeah you know Joe Kawasaki and Ricky Atten did this and did well Joe Kawasaki and Ricky Atten took risks they went over to America to fight these big names you know he hasn't left his city Leeds you know what I mean so you you can't put him in that same category Mm -hmm. well when you look back at that fight if you were to get that rematch with Warrington, is there something that you take away from that fight that you feel like you would implement next time you were to fight him? Something that you're like, oh, maybe I could work on this a little better. Or do you feel like you put in 100% like what you worked on in that fight camp? You did everything you possibly could in that ring that day. No, the, the thing is, but I know I can adjust and change the, uh, I can adjust and change you know, in in a fight, and I just you know the second fight, if it was going going to happen, to be honest with you, I was going to bring my own judge, jury, and executioner. These, <laughs> it, I weren't going to let it go twelve rounds. Mm-hmm. And so you were talking about how Warrington really hasn't left his comfort zone of leaving his home, and I know that you have fought in Boston, yeah. throughout the East Coast. Um, 
you're also on the verge of joining the PBC on a multi-fight deal, which includes potential unifications with the WBC featherweight champion, yeah. Mary Russell Jr., and WBA super titleist, Leo Santa Cruz. It looks like, I guess you answer that question, of you're prepared to come back to the States to fight? Yeah, 100%. Listen, at the end of the day, you've got to take risks, and I've, I've already been to America to take that risk. And... You know, you can't have a champion mentality, but say, yeah, um, one second, uh, I want this, I want this, this fight to be in my home city, and I want these judges, and I want this, and I want. that's like LeBron James saying, oh well, you know, I won the, M- you know, he won the NBA's, he won the championship last year. This year, he's like, yeah, uh, what it is, I'm not playing, I'm not playing, um, I'm not going to play the, the Warriors for this season because I don't want to play them. And I'm, uh, I'm not going to play, you know, the New York Nets this, this season as well because I don't want to play them. And uh, these teams that I do want to play, they have to play, you know, only in, you know, uh, in Los Angeles with me. You, you can't do that. At the end of the day, you've got to, if you're a champion, you've got to go out there and defend it. And that's just how it is. You know, you've got to take risks and you've got to take these fights. Aren't you? Then they mandatory. When your mandatory is up, you've got to, take, you've got to fight your mandatory. You know, the same way when he won his mandatory shot, the champion didn't say, oh, no, I'm not fighting you, Josh Warrington. And that's just it. You have to to be a champion's mentality. He claims to have a championship mentality and he hasn't. Well, I'm so excited to be interviewing you because you have a lot going on as of recently. So you have the the PBC multi-fight deal. Um, This also opens up the world title opportunity for you against possibly Jazza Dickens. Um, Yeah. This would be a rematch for those that may not be aware. Do you think that this fight's going to happen? I don't know because I know he's in line for the WBO as well. So uh, I don't really know. I don't, you know, I don't, you know, his, his, uh, his management team, MTK, haven't really said nothing. So we don't really know. You know, they have gone through with the purse bids, but they could turn around at any moment and say, oh, no, we're going to go this route. Um, but the reason... Let me just get back into the last question. Sorry, the reason why I joined the joining PBC is because if you want these big in boxing, there's a lot of politics. So if you want the big fights, you know you've got to go with the promoter who's got the fighters because they'll keep you in the set, they'll keep you in the mix. Mm-hmm. Then the day, you know, if I I want I want these big fights, and I know PBC's got you know most of the big names in the featherweight division, and I'm willing to go there and fight these guys. You know, if Eddie couldn't, you know, match room boxing and Eddie and couldn't, you know, get, it, get, you know, uh, warranting the fights, what's the chances of him getting me the fights? There isn't none. And that's it. You know, if you want to fight a PBC fighter, you've got to go over to their platform and fight, you know, like Sean Porter, you know, where he got beat by a kid from my gym called Kel Brook and, he got beat by Kelbrook, I think it might be in 2017, and he's gone on to, you know, fight uh, Errol Spencer, Danny Garcia, you know, and numerous big names. Well, actually, speaking of Kelbrook, I know that there are some possible talk of there being a fight with him against Amir Khan. Has there been anything of substance with that? Because that's something that we've constantly heard on and off, on and off for the longest of time now. But it's something that... Fight fans, regardless of if or when this happens, people would be excited to see that fight. Do you know of any any possible updates or any sort of promising leads that this fight will be happening in 2021? 
Um, hopefully, but the thing is, you just you just don't know, do you? You know, I don't think Khan wants to come back. I think he's just just saying it, you know, because you know what it is with the thing with boxers is a lot of them miss the limelight and the name getting mentioned. And sometimes, you know, just like Flamengo with the with this Logan Paul situation, I think they just kind of like say things, you know, just to keep themselves still in the. But the thing is, with fame, it's nothing but a twinkle in the eye, in it, you know. In this game, you've got to just make as much money as you can, enjoy it while it lasts, and you know, make sure you give it a hundred percent. Because when it's finished, it's finished. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. we don't know. We don't know. We don't know if the Khan fight, Kel fight's going to happen. We don't. We don't know. I'm so happy for you and all the great things that great news that you have coming your way as of the beginning of 2021. Fingers crossed. Thank you very much goes as planned um so to conclude this interview i have a little segment that i like to call unboxing the boxer and pretty much within like a one minute period i'm going to go through just rapid fire questions just random questions about you so that your fans can get to know you so if you weren't a pro boxer what would your career choice be good one um I'd have to say a soccer player. Soccer player. Okay. Do you have a... Actually, this is my next question. What's your favorite sports team? Um, I'd have to say LA Lakers. Well, I'm not a big fan, but I just like LeBron James. I'm a big LeBron James fan. Okay. And what's your favorite soccer team then? My favorite soccer team has to be. I'm originally from Liverpool, so I'm a big. Um, I am a big Liverpool fan, but I live in Sheffield, and I'm a big Sheffield United fan. Okay, that's fair. That's fair to say. And your favorite food? Oof, Italian. Italian. Okay. Any specific Italian dish? Um, none. I, I like. I like any kind of form of pasta. Okay, I love to hear it. Um, your what's your favorite movie? Um, The Godfather. Godfather. Part two. <laughs> and who's your favorite musical artist? At this moment in time, I'd have to say Future. Future, okay. Um, and next question: What's your favorite song at the moment? At the moment, um, it's an odd one. I don't know because I'd say. Future's new, if Future's uh, mixtape, uh, it's called The World Is On Drugs. Who is your favorite boxer besides yourself? Uh, of all time. All time. Marvin Agler. Oh, okay. Biggest fear. Pardon? Biggest fear. None. I ain't got no fears. I got no fears? Okay. And favorite mm. holiday? Favorite holiday? I don't know because I don't really go on holiday much. But um, I'd have to say when I retire, I, I want to go on a, a world tour. Like just of everywhere? Is there a certain continent you like want to explore? More? I'd like I'd, I'd like to do certain continents. So I'd like to go over to America and do if you know do the Route sixty six and then go to Africa and you know go to the jungles and things like. That, then do Southeast Asia and then do obviously like you know. China and you know Hong Kong and the rest of there. Have you ever been over to the Asian countries or not yet? 
No, never. Hong Kong, my boss is from Hong Kong, and the pictures that he showed me, phenomenal. It's so beautiful. And uh, my friend played for a football team out there, and uh, he said it was unbelievable. It's expensive, but it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Things that annoy you the most? Um, I don't really have. Oh, I'll tell you what annoys me the most. Um, What's the word for it now? People who chase clout. Clout ah, chasers. Clout chasers. Okay. Okay. Uh, favorite uh, favorite animal? Favorite animal? A lion. A lion. Is there a reason why? Because it's fearless. Fearless. Okay. That's very true. Favorite store to shop in? Uh, favorite store to shop in uh, would be Louis Vuitton. Louis Vuitton. Okay. Uh, and what was your first job ever? Um, cutting grass, cutting grass and cleaning cars. Okay. And how old were you when you first started that? Probably about 10, 10, 11 years old. Okay. So hustling at a young age. All right. Love yeah. to hear it. Uh, and what is your middle name, if you have a middle name? My middle name is Hussein. You had to think about that for a second. Yeah, because my name is because basically I'm a Muslim and we're named after our dads. So basically, like my name is Abdul Barry, my dad's name is Hussein, then his dad is named Masoud, then Al Sadi, then it goes on. We're named after our dads, kind of thing. My name on my on my passport, it will say it says Abdul Barry Awad Masoud Al Sadi. What is one superpower you would like to have? Read people's minds. Ooh, that's a dangerous one. Sometimes, yeah. I don't know if I want to be reading people's minds because some people have some interesting thoughts up there. Um, favorite TV show at the moment? At the moment, uh, I'm watching Night Stalker. Right? I just started watching that. It is so addicting watching those true crime yeah, documentaries. It is, it is um, just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, do you typically watch true crime or is this something that since it's new on Netflix you just started watching? No, no, I I do. I love like true crime. I do like things like that. There's so many good true crime documentaries on Netflix that I can just, during the beginning of the pandemic here, I binge watched all of it in the first two weeks and then I had nothing else to watch after that. Watch Um, Your favorite snack? Favorite snack would be peanut butter and jam. With banana on top, toast. Or, you know, like, toasted? huh? You have it toasted, like the so bread. We, no, no, I like you know, like a toast or a bagel, toasted bagel or a slice of toast, and then you put peanut butter on it, then jam, then a banana. Unbelievable. And what type of jam do you prefer? Just strawberry jam. Last question. If you were stranded on an island, what would be the three things that you would want to have with you? Three things I would have to say. Obviously, food, water, <laughs> and it'd have to be a form of entertainment, wouldn't it? What, you would have to have what was the third thing? A form of entertainment, so you'd have to, or you'd have, or it depends on it. Like, what would you? It'd have to be, what could you use it to get out of the island, or would you? 
Or would you just have to just like prison? You just have to stay there for a certain amount of time. I guess, I guess, I guess we'll say you'll be stranded on there for six months. I'll give you six months and then they'll, they'll find you. Like, it's not like you're abandoned there forever. Okay. I'd say good food, good water and a cell phone. And a cell phone. Okay. So you can at least play games, watch YouTube, watch your night soccer. Yeah. Listen to future. Watch. Yeah. <laughs> you could, you've got, at least you can keep in contact with people to make sure things, everything's uh, okay back home. For sure, for sure. Are you a very? It seems like you're a very family oriented guy. When you when you're growing up, do you have siblings? Yeah, I've got I've got I've got seven brothers and two sisters. Wow! And are you where Where do you stand amongst the? Siblings? I'm bang on the I'm bang on in the middle. And going back to when we were talking about how Brendan Engel kind of took you under his wing and started training you, I'm assuming that because Brendan Engel's pretty well known to uh, many boxing fans and uh, yeah. fighters. What do you think it was about when you came in there that day? I know you said that you were working hours on hours of whatever he told you to do. What do you think it was that he kind of latched onto you and actually paid attention to what you were doing and wanted to continue pursuing a boxing career with you? Um, I just think, because Brendan was a middle, middle child himself, and I don't know, Brendan just had... You know, the thing is, it's like you can be a fantastic athlete, but you will never be able to um, be able to coach people. You know, like it's a different, that's a different kind of thing what they have. And Brendan just, Brendan knew how to coach certain people. He knew how to, you know, um, make fighters. He knew what they needed. And like just little certain things, you know, when I used to go on walks with him and everything, like he just... Brendan was just, I don't know, I just think he, he, in all the boxing trainers of all time, he's in the top three. Mm-hmm. I believe, you know, probably Brendan Ingle, Eddie Futch, um, and, my, uh, and the other one, Costa Mall. Uh, that's my, I think they're the best three trainers of all time. Now, where do you see yourself in five years? Do you still see yourself fighting? Do you? Where do you see yourself? If you're going to manifest anything with your life, what would you say? Where would you be at? Uh, I'd be, I'd be, uh, you know, a defending world champion, a unified world champion. Well, I'm manifesting that for you too. Um, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. I'm no worries. Thank you very much, Rebecca. Thank you for, for your time. Once you come back to the States and we see you fighting again, I would love to meet up in person and be able to talk to you a little more. Definitely no. If I fight in the States, which I should be, after I do this deal with PBC, uh, you will definitely get an interview out there with me. 1,000%. Thank you so much again. No, thank you very much. Have a great day. Stay safe. You too. Stay safe. And God bless. Inside the Ring is sponsored by Egg Weights, Liquid IV, and Goalie. Egg weights are the only hand weights in the world that conform to your body's natural motion. These weights are a boxing breakthrough. The palm-centered weights are the most balanced, compact, and ergonomic shadow boxing weights in the world. They are specifically designed to flow with any striking form and are amazing tools for building endurance, power, speed, and mental toughness. Egg weights are now the standard for Olympic athletes, professional, and public boxing clubs across the USA and Europe. Get yours now at eggweights.com and use code Rebecca Ruber for 10% off. 
Hydrate, energize, and sleep better with liquid IV using the science of CTT. CTT enhances rapid absorption of our wellness ingredients into the bloodstream. 50 million servings have been sold. They are gluten-free, no artificial sweeteners, they're vegan, and U.S. order ship-free. I personally have been using Liquid IV since 2019, and all their products not only taste delicious, but they are highly effective. They're great for hydrating before, during, or after an intense workout, needing an energy boost during that 2.30 p.m. crash, and their sleeping products will have you falling asleep within 20 minutes and have you waking up with zero grogginess. Use code RebeccaRuber25 for 25% off your whole order and free U.S. shipping. Goalie gummies are gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, and gelatin-free. 100% natural and plant-based. Get all the age-old benefits of apple cider vinegar in a delicious gummy. On top of having the benefits traditional ACV has, Goalie gummies have additional benefits including superfoods, good taste, good smell, better for your teeth enamel, and they're easy to take. Use code RebeccaRuber for 5% off your next purchase. Remember, every purchase using these codes help the show tremendously, so please consider checking out these products. And if you decide to purchase, take a picture of your order and tag me at Inside the Ring Official for me to repost on my Instagram story. Thank you.